You're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. On today's show, Sarah Kramer, one half of the newly opened L.A. restaurant Kismet, along with her partner, Sarah Hymason. The two got their start a few years back at Glassery Restaurant in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, made a name for themselves. And then they up and left, moved out west, opened Mad Capra. It's a very kind of cool, modern-ish falafel joint in the Grand Central Market in downtown L.A., uh, and then a few weeks back, Open Kismet, a more sort of sit-down, proper, ambitious restaurant, if you will, in Silver Lake. So Sarah and I talk cooking and her style of cooking, how she got into food. And then Test Kitchen manager Brad Leone and senior food editor Andy Baragani joined the show to talk small fish like anchovies and sardines and smelt and all those things that I'm kind of terrified of. So this is like my worst nightmare segment, but... You know, I'm a professional, so I was like, okay, we, we'll do this. I'll even taste a thing or two. But uh, right now, there's Sarah Kramer. Let's do this. Sarah Kramer. Hi. Welcome to New York. I'm very happy to be here. Back. Welcome back to New York. Thank you. Yeah, hometown. You've been in L.A. for two years now? Yeah, just over two years. Time has really flown. You got one restaurant. You're about to open another one. Yeah, those are the facts. <laughs> I'm just running it down. <laughs> All right. When you come home, do you do you stay with mom? Um, no. <laughs> does no. she even know no, you're here? She does. I did. I saw her. Uh, she picked me up from the airport with her new puppy. It was really sweet, um, Sunny. And we, uh, yeah, we hung out a little bit. I saw my whole family yesterday for brunch. We had Zaybars, classic Kramer that family. Was, see, that was going to be one of my lightning round questions. <laughs> I was going to ask Zaybars or Barney Greengrass. Oh yeah, Zaybars. I mean, not by choice, just by birth. Um. Or what, what was the brunch spread? It was uh, two types of lox, peppered lox and grav lox. And we do you had. Have a, do you have a preference? I like the peppered. Okay. Yeah. We just always had it in my house. And I really, you know, it's just like childhood. Yeah. And uh, we had baked salmon, which is very delicious. I don't know if you ever get that from there. Is that the one that kind of chips away at it more? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And it's like really, really fatty. It's like always like a good belly piece. Mm. It's like really unctuous, which is a word I hate saying, but it really applies. Um, and we had a few types of cream cheese. We had some bagels, uh, a two different types of white fish spread because my uh, family knows I hate celery, so they always get both, um, the one without celery. There's only one thing I hate, and it's celery. Might as well just get that out right now. Okay, first of all, you're wrong. <laughs> celery, celery is the most underrated. I understand why it's wonderful. It's crisp. Absolutely. It's subtly flavored, but has it has a freshness to it. Oh, I mean, I can make all of these same arguments. Uh, Wait, I they, just can't. I can't they, really tolerate it. It's they they, <laughs> they literally make offer two whitefish salads, one with celery yeah. and one without. How yeah, do they know people, that? How people do they, like me. I think. But, was, but they know that there's enough. It was enough years of of me being like, please. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, what about like tomatoes and stuff? Did, did Lo your mom love tomatoes? But no, but did oh, your mom oh, put oh. that out for the spread? Um, no, we didn't have a veg no vegetables in sight. Wow. <laughs> Not a single vegetable. That, that's there like, were some olives. That's like old school Jewish. Yeah, it's like the antithesis of everything that I stand for now. Yeah. What? Um. All right. So, how do you when you have a spread like that? What you, do you build? You. What's your bagel sandwich or open faced or how do you what do you build? I do open faced. Yeah, mm -hmm. I do open faced, and um, I I keep it pretty classic. Um, we always have like good black olives. Um, Ugh, really? I, oh, I love them. Not like salad olives, mm -hmm. like Greek olives. Yeah, okay. Um, it's just like again, it, this is like just the same meal I had every <laughs> weekend my entire <laughs> all right, life. All right, so let's start with the bagel. What kind of bagel? Bagel uh, sesame. Okay. Or pumpernickel, but they never get them. But pumpernickel, are, yeah, they're my I favorite. Really? I, 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 we're really not jiving. No, today. no. <laughs> I, just, I just find the pumpernickel thing feels so forced. Oh it's my like, God, I love it. It's such a black sheep. Um, all right, so I hate <laughs> so, to ask this question, but I have to ask this question. Toasted or not toasted? Untoasted cream cheese. Just I, I go plain. with the plain cream cheese mm -hmm. um, and the pepper locks. And I like lemon on it. I'm a big fan of lemon. Well, um, mom, but they didn't have like onion or capers or anything. Yeah. If it were me, it would be capers, mom, onions, mom, tomato. Mom couldn't lemon. have afforded to buy one red onion. <laughs> uh, she oh she could have. Um, they just they're no frills people. Yeah, my people. Apparently, yeah. jeez, wow. I don't know where I came from. Um, I, I love frills. And did you drink anything with this this spread? Coffee. Coffee. Yeah. Okay. 
and yeah. coffee. Um, and this is again some Upper West Side. Upper West Side in my sister's uh, one bedroom apartment, which oh, is a cute. step up from my mother's studio apartment oh. <laughs> in terms oh. of gathering the family. <laughs> but in LA, uh, you don't run a bagel place, you run a falafel. True. Joint, falafel restaurant, falafel stand. What do we call Mad Capra? We call it all those things, but sometimes we call it a falafel shop. Falafel shop. Okay, yeah. I like that. And it's in Grand Central Market. You got it. In downtown. Downtown. How, how would you describe Grand Central Market? Um, I like to say for the New York listeners out there, just because I've been doing that a lot this week, um, that it's like a cross between Chelsea Market and Essex Street Market, just in terms of like, it still feels kind of gritty and grimy like Essex Street, but it has- Because it's been around for a long time. 2017 will mark a century. And then you hipsters came in about a few years ago, right? I know. Oh, yeah. People like <laughs> really lament our arrival, which, I, you know, I can understand. Um, but uh, a century, we've been there a, like a year and a half almost. And I think that um, three, four years ago, maybe like four years ago, the market really started to change. Um and it um, it really has a lot of old school characters still. There are a lot of original, or maybe not original, original vendors, but legacy tenants yeah. who've been there for quite a while. They've, they've made a point of sort of retaining their roots while weaving in some some new properties. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so let's talk falafel because I'm looking at your menu. I like the design. Who designed this menu? Um, uh, a friend of ours named yeah. Harry Gassel. Way very talented boy. Way to go, Harry. Yeah. Cool type. Face and cool colors. Yeah, he's uh, he's good. He's got skills. All right, so I'm a little confused. Like, if I came to Mad Capra, I mm-hmm. would want to order a falafel because I like falafel. But then now I, I see I have to choose between red falafel, green falafel, orange falafel, and yellow falafel. Yeah, so the colors are, uh, they really define like the character of each sandwich. Um, they don't refer to the falafel balls themselves. So the falafel oh. itself is the same in each sandwich. Oh, see, that totally blew my mind. Because <laughs> like, we did it would have been too we, much. <laughs> we did we did a story uh, last year with that restaurant Honey and Co. Honey mm. and Company in London, a little Israeli joint there. Yes, yes, I've heard of it. Yes, and have you been? I haven't. I've never been to London. Oh my god! I know it's very sad. Oh. Uh, it's good. It's a cute little restaurant. It's tiny, but really fun and just good vibes. Um, but they, in our story, they submitted I think three different color falafels themselves right totally and one was like a red peppery totally. in the mix it's like a one, anot does here okay anot at, yeah, uh, at time. Named time and stuff and one that had like a pumpkin-y sort of squash sort of thing so what goes into your basic falafel then basic falafel and we only have one um we chose instead of choosing to like customize uh the falafel itself because you go to one of those places that does it like that and you have the same sandwich with different falafel but the sandwich itself doesn't really change you can customize it a yeah, little yeah. bit but all of the fixins are like yeah, yeah. the same and so uh we chose to go the opposite route and change Ooh. all of the things around the falafel yeah. itself so falafel like is our glue uh, yeah. our bread and our falafel since we make both of them in-house um and they are pretty simple. We call them blonde falafels because they're not your typical green. Um, so we don't put herbs in them. What? Because we put a lot of herbs on the sandwiches. Elsewhere, on the keep outside. It, yeah, we keep oh. them really herby and fresh. All right, so what goes into the falafel itself? If I want to, can I make your falafel at home? Um, you could, yeah. You how, could. Would I, how would I do it? You would uh, soak chickpeas. Uh, Dried. Dried chickpeas. Yeah, we would soak them from dry. We get our chickpeas, which I think make um, all the difference. Of course, I would say this. I'm like the queen of uh, caring about where things come from. But um, I really do think it makes the difference. Um, We get them from Coda Farms, which is um, in Central California. And they are like very small, very sweet chickpeas. Mm. And they, uh, we tested this recipe so many times. And when it came to using Coda versus conventional, like the flavor difference was like hands down, no question. Yeah. So, so how long are you soaking them? Overnight? Overnight. Um, and then we grind them in a meat grinder. A um, meat, like a, a hand-cranked meat grinder? or no, a, no. an electric one. Electric it's one. like we use a giant Hobart and very industrial. Let's say I don't have a Hobart industrial meat grinder You can use like a little KitchenAid or okay. Okay. you can do it in a food processor as well. Uh-huh. Okay. We just uh, prefer like the homogenous texture. Okay. Of a yeah. grind. Of a okay. grind. Okay, yeah. cool. And I think it keeps it a little bit lighter personally. Yeah. Because um, you, you don't want it you still want it a little chunky-ish, yeah. right? Yeah, you don't want it yeah. to be too small, yeah. um, too fine, because then I think you'll end up with something that feels rather heavy. Yeah. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's uh, chickpea, onion, garlic. Uh, we flavor ours- Raw onion and garlic? Raw onion and garlic. Okay. Um, we flavor ours pretty intensely with coriander seed, toasted and ground, huh. and um, salt, and um, I'm going to let you in a little secret. Okay. Some baking powder. 
Baking powder. See, yeah. that's interesting. We did. Uh, we were t- I was talking to Michael Salmanoff from uh, Zahav and and Dizengoff and stuff. I and, know him and well. Phila, you know him well. Um, Lovely and, man. And he's a he's a chickpea maestro. Uh, and then when they when he puts baking powder on when they do their they their soak. hummus, uh, yeah, to the, make it extra creamy and very f- very soft. I don't want to say fluffy, but soda sort of, yeah. different. Oh, they they use soda. Soda. And then what kind of oil do you use? We use canola, non GMO. Okay, and and then that's like. That's good for home, right? I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. great for home. Um, and if you're doing it at home, you still want your. They should be bobbing in there. You're deep frying. You're not oh, yeah. pan frying. Oh or yeah, anything. yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Just lay it in there. Yeah. Um, and then when you cut it out, put them on a rack. Let them drain a little bit. Um, yeah, I would. When you take them out of the fryer, mm-hmm. we we fry ours at a very like precise temperature and a very precise amount of time. So Which I've, is? Um, it's at three twenty-five mm-hmm. um, for three and a half minutes. Is every falafel sandwich fried to order, or do you do have a, or do you do a business that they're just like there and ready it depends, to go? It depends. like what time of day, how mm-hmm. busy we are. If like there's a huge line, then we can like f- fry in rounds. If uh, it's like a slow moment, like you know four thirty in the afternoon or something, because we're open from eleven a.m. to nine p.m. Every day, um, you know there are obviously lulls, and then we don't want the falafels that are just out of the fryer sitting around for very yeah. long because it's it really doesn't have like a huge uh, shelf life. Yeah, falafel yeah. it needs to be eaten oh, yeah. right away. You don't want those dense room temperature falafels. No, All right. Now I read that your I don't know correctly or incorrectly your mother is Israeli. She is. She yeah. is. All right. Have you been to Israel? I have. And you've been to like the falafel trucks and stands. Oh, there. a bunch of them. Yeah, we did like a trip that was pretty. Sp- Specifically for falafel tasting, I I I'll just share my experience. I, I lived in a kibbutz when I was like twenty two. Wow. This is many years ago, <laughs> um, and I was kind of amazed. Like you go to these sort of like you know falafel you know not carts, I guess if you will, and they're like shacks. Yeah, and and so it depends where you are. I was in one this little town, Afula, up uh, in, in north near Haifa, also Tel Aviv, and like you get the guys who first of all. Do the thing, the the showman, where they sort of click the uh, the, the little tongs on mm-hmm. the thing, and then toss the falafels in the air and catch it behind their back. Wow! You ever see that? Uh, I never saw that. No. It's like Benihana slash falafel cart, and these guys are wow. literally tossing them in the air behind behind their back, in front of them, over I their head. That, I think that that's something we should maybe start yeah, implementing. That would be good. And then they had like the tiered stadium of fixins. Like they would have like. 40 different fixings you could unlimitedly choose from. Totally. Inclu- a, including French fries. It's a very, yeah, it's a very different vibe there uh, than what we're doing. That's very cool. I like that too. Yeah. It's, 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 it's excess. Do you ever put the French fries on? We don't do the French fries. We don't. But you have oil. Shouldn't you? Yeah, we do. We do have oil. I just think it's like a preference thing. Um, I Do you do donuts? I, no. You have oil. Should we I mean, but that? we have like, we fry so much falafel. We could do salty donuts. We could. We could. I mean, salty, we could do so many donuts. things. I, I mean, I, I love a fried thing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, apparently you do. You run, you run a <laughs> shop. Um, and then, so yeah, did you do like a sort of a research trip? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was. Um, I think we had a pretty good idea of exactly what we wanted to do, how we wanted to see our falafel shop be in the world, which is definitely. Oh, and wait, we we being you yeah. and Sarah with an H. Yes, me and Sarah with an H. Uh, Sarah Hymanson, my lovely and talented business and chef partner. Does she even know you're doing this podcast? She right does. Now? She does. <laughs> so you guys went to Israel together. Um, we did. We went to Israel together with three other friends of ours. Um, and we like were this very funny like ragtag team of like total misfits like in two cars uh, wandering around Israel with one person who thankfully spoke Hebrew. But I have a lot of family everywhere. So we were like bouncing around to different parts of my family and our other friend Roni's family. Um, and it was like just a very random assortment of friends, but a very fun time. I but met. we like a bunch of us didn't really know each other that well. So I, you got to know each yeah, other. It was the kind of trip that it was like if we did it now, it would be so much more fun. Um, I had relatives also in Tel Aviv, and like there's something about the American cousins coming to visit that they're just like yeah, they love all it. the stuff. Oh, they and, like, love yeah, it. You know, just yeah. like you come over for dinner and like there's enough food for 29 people. Oh yeah, and like we had just eaten. Yeah, <laughs> like okay, um, and so all right, so then. Matt Capra humming along yeah. at the uh, at the Grand Central Market. Um, what is uh, – all right, one thing also on the menu before we get to your new restaurant, sure. which is about to open, the uh, 
I assume once I see it, I'd be more intrigued. But the sumac beet soda. Oh my goodness! It's like it's a it's our big winner. It is. How do you yeah. how do you sell people on it? Do they just... We don't need to. I mean, we don't need to sell people on it. I think like if anyone's on the fence, I'm like it's a it's like a sparkling beet lemonade, mm. um, which makes it sound really good. Actually, I buy this overpriced uh, beet <laughs> red beet juice from Organic Avenue here. And what do you think? It's good because it's got beet and ginger, and then a lot of times I'll mix it with some club soda it's for like, like a little spritz. It's very intense, like beet yeah. juice straight. Yeah, so I'll, I'll cut it, and I give it to my eight-year-old son also likes it. Get some healthy stuff in him <laughs> now and then. Uh, so it's a big soda. Do you serve just on? Is it on tap? Is it bottled? How do you it's do it? A, it's a syrup that we make. Um, it's like sumac syrup mm. with beet juice. Explain sumac for people who don't know sumac. Sure, sumac. Um, it's uh, technically the fruit of a shrub. It grows wild um, in in and around New York. Oh. Um, so if anyone's foraging out there, it's very beautiful and easy to find. It's like bright red and fuzzy, um, and it's got a really like tangy, lemony flavor. And um, I. Like it on everything. I'm sure if anyone's ever been to a Middle Eastern restaurant, they've had it without even necessarily knowing what it was. So we use that um, in a syrup. It also like imparts a sort of floral quality that um, like lemon juice alone doesn't. Um, so while it's tangy, it's not quite tangy enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we do throw a little lemon juice in there too. All right. So before you and Sarah with an H moved to LA, you were chefs at a restaurant called the glassery, just glassery. Just glass. That's what I yeah. yeah, yeah. The in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Um, very cool. More sit down, proper, cool restaurant. What's it? Kind of a warehousey space. Yeah, and, totally. Yeah. Um, so I know you're not a vegetarian because you served lots of meaty meat things there. Um, at what point did you decide to make Madcap or vegetarian or not serve some sort of version of shawarma or kebabs or whatnot? Was that how conscious of a decision was that? Very intentional, um, considering where we are. Like Grand Central Market has a lot of meat options, yes. a lot. Del, In fact, Del Campo's there. Yeah, Del Campo. And, there's yeah. several like very delicious taco spots. There's great Thai food. All of these are like very meat centric. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think we really wanted to position ourselves as an alternative to that because, you know, anytime we went down there and we were there a lot and we are there a lot, um, you know, you want uh, to sometimes mix it up and have something that's a bit lighter. Um, so I think that if and perhaps when mm -hmm. we expand Madcapper in the future, uh, we will um, expand to include meat. Um, it's not like um, dogmatic for this restaurant at all. It just, I think... It's a small operation. We're really limited by space and um, limited by the amount of time that we have to be able to push out food. And um, we want to make sure that what we're serving is the highest quality product we can. Um, and I think that by focusing on something specific like falafel, we can do that. Yeah. What? Uh, all right. So Kismet, new joint. Like you got the name, it. Yeah. Uh, that you're opening with support from John and Vinny. Correct. From Animal and... Traumatic and all those sort of son of a gun. John and, and yeah, yeah, who work with Ludo Lefebvre as well. Um, love those guys. Um, They're so great. And so I guess, A, what is their involvement? And B, what is the scope of Kismet? Totally. So their involvement is they are our operational partners. Um, they are doing as much or as little as we need from them. They're very flexible and very generous with their time and advice. Um, so yeah, there are operational partners. They're not involved in the menu um, or really the concept, but they're sounding boards for everything. And um, they have clearly great advice and many years of wisdom and are yeah great people for us to have a support. And Sarah and I now having one business and trying to open a second and eventually trying to expand, we uh, we can use the support. No, that's yeah. awesome. And those guys, like I said, they have a track record um, and they know how to roll things out. But, totally. But let's talk about the concept and, yeah. and concept and menu. Totally. What so is it? Kismet, um, it is an all-day, so breakfast, lunch, and dinner, also Middle East-inspired casual neighborhood restaurant. Um, L.A. loves the all-day thing. It's that's a, because it's no a one, daytime town. No one has jobs in L.A. Yeah, they they they're, <laughs> they they they're working on a job. Oh, I've got a job for a few weeks, but they don't yeah. have a day job. They've got so much time off. It's amazing. It's like, it's like someone works on a film for three weeks and then has three months off. I know, and everyone's like, "Do you love how much chiller LA is?" And I was like, "It's not for me." <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad You're that right. I we work. We go to work every day. I'm <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. So all day. So you're doing all right. So uh, give me some breakfast, lunch, and dinner hits. 
okay, potential well, hits. I mean, obviously, people you know know and love shakshuka. We'll mm. do we'll do a brand of that. And, that, um, and for for those who oh, don't, right, that's kind of like a tomato egg casserole. Yeah, I like to call it um, poached eggs and tomato stew. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, yeah so good translation <laughs> like for, to describe for, it. for my mom. Um, <laughs> all right, so that'd be a good one. Casserole is never a word that I. I like like to use for my food, but I I don't dislike casseroles. I just don't think I'd ever use that word. Yeah, it's a pretty 1970s sort of thing. It, yeah, it just has like a particular place in time. What uh what sort of bread products will you have in the morning? We um are still sort of figuring out our pastry program. Um, but I did this bread at Glassery um that I called flaky bread. There, that's the best thing ever. And <laughs> Glad explain you think that so. you make a little coil and then you smush the coil in a pan and fry it up in oil. Yeah, I mean, sort of. Um, it so it's a it's a Yemenite bread called malawah, and actually this is like something I grew up eating like every weekend. Also, it was like zebars, shakshuka, and malawah. Those are like the three things that I feel like my mother really gave me. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of carbs. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine what I looked like as a child, um, but. Uh, it's a uh, like butter. It's sort of like a butter laminated bread. Um, you think about like croissants or yeah. something like or puff pastry, and you think about the folding technique. So it's like a sort of similar thing. So you fold and fold and fold, and yeah. what you end up are these little butter pockets that, when it cooks, those pockets melt, and you get those big. Yeah, they like expand, of, yeah, chewiness um, and flakiness. And, totally, and like really uh, rich and delicious. Yeah. And you, yeah, it's fried in more butter, and uh, it's very delicious. So that will be a big breakfast highlight. It's, yeah, it will. Yeah. With like, with like, you get like a dab of labna on there or something? Yeah, you get some labna, <laughs> maybe a little bit of tomato. Um, I think we'll serve it like both, like two ways, like one sweet one and one savory one. Mm. Appease all the people. Done. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll do a, a bunch of different dishes for breakfast. Um, some veg- We're going to do like a breakfast and lunch menu that's the same. Okay, so cool. All day. So if you want to get your eggs or whatever at lunch, you can still do that. Totally cool. Or wake- a salad at breakfast. Because a lot of you people in LA wake up like at 1130. Dude, and, actually yeah. in LA, we wake up at like 6 a.m. People are yeah. like hitting the hiking trail. That's true. Early. Ah, They're seeing oh. the sunrise, walking all of their dogs because sta- everyone has I them. stand corrected. <laughs> and then all right, dinner, will you get more like entree-ish? Um, it'll still be sharing oriented uh, in terms of like the style of food that Sarah and I um, have developed and the way Glassery was also intended. Um, I think that we both really like the shared eating experience and really want to promote that. So it'll be like small to medium-sized dishes for the most part. And then there will be a couple of large format dishes. Such as? Well, we might revive the rabbit dish that uh, we did. Let's talk about the rabbit dish. Let's talk about it. it. It's interesting because, like, all right, so here at Bon Appetit, Andrew Knowlton, um, one our restaurant critic, deputy editor guy, um, he's always trying to work in rabbit. He's always talking about rabbit. And I just contend that, like, <laughs> America, he and Carla Music, our food director, they always want to get rabbit recipes in the magazine. I'm like, no one's going to cook the rabbit recipe. Like, 6% of our readers might make it. Yeah, but they probably want to read it. No, I don't think they do. Really? I think that they do. And I think you just say... You can also do this with chicken. Yeah, that's true. That, well, that's yeah, that's what we he actually suggested last time. It's but, also very beautiful. Like the, the well, yeah, when it's alive and it's got fur no, all over no, it and no, it's no, hopping don't around. Say that that's not beautiful. That's yeah. cute. But On Easter also Sunday, so it's really cute. Um, how did it sell at Glassery? Wonderfully. Really, and yeah, you had to get like the quote unquote whole rabbit. Yeah. Uh, it was, Aww. in fact, the whole rabbit prepared three ways. We'll do something similar. And um, it's a delicious, very nutritious, very lean. Very um, cute. Very cute <laughs> <laughs> meat. <laughs> um, the cuter, the better. That was not the best seller at Glossary, though. It was a huge no, the seller. Lamb, the lamb outsold it. No way. Yes. No way. Really? Yeah. No, definitely not. Let's say Adam rolls up and he's like, wow, I want... I, I want something yummy and substantial, but I don't really, I don't know. I don't you want to get the rabbit. Wow, you don't feel rabbit. You feel like it's too cute for you. It just freaks me out. Wow. Just the name. There's that whole, con- and like, listen, I get you're, if you're eating an animal, you're eating an animal. And what if I change the name to bunny? Would that help? Or if you, well, the French, lapin, that helps. <laughs> um, um, we're going to have a lamb dish on the menu. Okay. Yeah. It won't be like a large format dish for sharing. Um, I like, you know what I really like? If you want this going the opposite, I, I like lamb's neck. I love when it gets all crispy and yeah, yeah I, like a, I like a slow cooked lamb. Me too. So if you could put one of those on the menu, and <laughs> <laughs> call be, it Adam's lamb neck. <laughs> Adam's lamb neck. That would be really neat. Who is the more organized chef? You or Sarah with an H? We're both very organized. We have, I think, very comparable abilities. Um, we, I, I think Sarah's like really great 
hands-on and working with the staff and training and um, like working on new dishes. And you're the one who goes out partying and represents the brand. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one who comes here and like gets no sleep yeah. and like hangs out in New York for a week. Um, I like do a lot of the like communication and the admin and mm. um, a lot of stuff like that, which. Um, you know, is uh, the sexier part of Someone's the job. Someone's got to do it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we were in Austin together, you and I, at South by Southwest. Super fun time. Uh, amazing time. Love Austin as a city, a town. Ate um, some great food. Ate some yummy breakfast tacos and such and Franklin barbecue and all that you do in Austin. Um, a lot of the newer places. Um, and then at some point, you and I were talking, I don't know what we were talking about, and you're like, Oh, yeah. Um, well, you know, I was in the Broadway production of Mamma Mia. I was, I was the lead. I just casually dropped that. And I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> I like, assumed I've... you probably knew. I feel like everyone is always like, oh, yeah, this thing about you. And I'm like, how'd you know? <laughs> um, I was like, what do you mean you were in Mamma Mia? And actually on Broadway. The other night you corrected me. You're like, no, I wasn't just in the touring production. I was on Broadway. Get it right. Damn straight. <laughs> uh, okay. So what, which character? I, I was Sophie. Um, if anyone's ever seen it, then you you know who she is. But um, if you've ever seen the poster, it's the the chick in a wedding dress. Um, what year was this? Two thousand three to two thousand five. I wow, was seventeen two years. to nineteen, two and a half years. And your mom let you do this? Uh, yeah. I mean, she had no choice. Yeah. <laughs> and I had just graduated high school. It was uh, I left for tour ten days after I graduated high school. Where did you go to high school? I went to a very small school um, in Rockland County, New York. Hmm. It was called Rockland Country Day School. All right. My graduating class was eight people. Whoa, I like that. <laughs> um, and so then I, before this podcast, I was like, all right, well, I should listen to Mama Mia because I don't never, I don't know. Well, that's I, why you were whistling it on the way in. Well, yeah, but all right, that's well, all right. Take a chance on me is a great song. Great song. That's a great song. It's a lot of hits. The rest of the music in that is so tedious. I was like, there's that one song, "Gimme, Gimme, Gimme," not to be confused with "Money, Money, Money." They kind of sound the not same. Not to be confused <laughs> with "Honey." It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like God, this is unlistenable. I don't understand how did that become such a big hit. I couldn't tell you, um, but it's so. Uh, I mean, it's so fun and it's so relatable for whatever reason. Um, it's just like really high energy and really silly. It seems like high energy all the time. Oh, so high energy and like really bright, loud costumes. And uh, it's just, and the plot line is really silly because it's strung together around. Uh, ABBA songs. Yeah, ABBA songs to try to make them make sense <laughs> in a storyline. Uh, it's like so, so, so goofy. And I just think it's like, it makes people feel good. And that's like consistently what people still tell me. What was your big number? Like, what was your... Um, my big number was Name of the Game. How'd that go? Uh, <laughs> you're going to make me sing. I don't know that one. Yeah, okay, how do you know? um, What's the name of the game? Does it mean anything to you? Wow, you can sing. I mean, <laughs> I, I can sing way better than that, but I'm not going Come to. Come on. Do, <laughs> what's the name? All right, go. Uh, you, yes. This yeah, is very it. embarrassing. No, do it, do it louder. I get full volume. Come on. Ready? <laughs> Lily, one. I'll sing with you. I can't believe you're making me do yeah, this. Yeah, sorry. Ready. Okay. What's the name of the game? Does it mean anything to you? <laughs> wow, that sounds like a literally like a Broadway musical. How, oh, you, how, you, how you stretch it out there. Um, <laughs> That's the most embarrassing moment of my life. So that, I did well, it for you. Well, no, you did it for me because now Lily owes me $100. She said, if you can get Sarah Kramer <laughs> to sing, I will give you $100. <laughs> It was worth it. Uh, I'll split it with <laughs> yeah, you. Great. I'll split it with you. What? Um, We're gonna say I was in on that bet. I know. Uh, <laughs> before we get back to food, um, so then why? What happened to you? Why did you? At what point did you say, you know what? I don't want to be a Broadway star. <laughs> um, I was just. I was really young um, when that happened. I mean, I was like seventeen when I got the show, and I think it just kind of happened. Um, you know, I like wasn't really at a professional level yet. <clears throat> I went to an open call. I had six auditions over the course of two years and finally got uh, cast in an understudy position um, and then got moved up into the lead on tour and then moved to the lead on Broadway. And I think like I just wasn't completely convinced that that was what my life was going to look like going forward. And I just wanted to try other things. I went back to school. I started studying a lot of food related things. I was in Gallatin at NYU, which is like so open ended and uh, you can like design your own course of study completely. Um I think like daunting at that point. And I was like, yeah, studying a lot of food related things um, in like the very nascent food studies program at NYU. And I just like didn't know at the time what I would do with it. And I was like, maybe I'll just cook. My, my sister was like dating a chef at the time. And I was like, oh, wow, all this food's so good. I, 
maybe I could do that. <laughs> wow, you're like, yeah. And so you went, you worked for Andrew Tarlow and some of his restaurants in Brooklyn. Is yeah, that correct? All of his restaurants in Brooklyn, so like, ex- which... except for Achilles Seal, because um, that came uh, right at the same time as Glassery. But I, you know, Marlowe and Sons Diner, Romans. I even worked at the butcher shop, Marlowe Daughters, and then I was the executive sous at Reynard right before Glassery. Wow. Actually, I was at this wedding I was at this weekend. I know you were at a wedding also, but uh, Andrew did the food for it. Um, and I was hanging out with him talking about just That's fun. how to sort of run that many restaurants and stay on Pretty point. impressive. Like, I just ate at Achilles Heel last night also for their hell chicken. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. Where Lee does it in like yeah. the fireplace sort of thing. Yeah, this like fire pit thing out back that he's like really <laughs> like strung together. It's it's really good. That's a real cool. If anyone's yeah. in New York, uh, Achilles Heel, this centuries old bar kind of on near the water in yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, in, in Greenpoint, really kind of far out there yeah. um, and really special. And worth, worth worth the journey in Lee DeRosier. De yeah, DeRosier. Yeah. De uh, is a heck of a chef and it's a cool spot. Um, all right, before we go, we got to do lightning round. Oh my God, I can't believe you made me sing for you. I know, that was awesome. I can't, <laughs> and I can't believe I gave, already gave away one of my lightning round questions, but I'm going to do more. Um this is interesting because I don't think you do either, but I don't know. Pita or lavash? Um, at the restaurant or my preference? Just in Jeff, preference. P- pita. Pita. Can we agree that whole wheat pita sucks? We do our bread. Uh, our bread is like a version of laffa, um, and it's partially a whole wheat, and it's very good, um, but it's not 100% whole wheat. Store-bought whole wheat pita. Oh, garbage, yeah. Is old, oh, it garbage. just falls apart. Absolutely no garbage. It just, yeah. And grainy. Not good. Store-bought pita, period, though. Do you guys, because I haven't been to Mad Capra because I haven't been to LA in a few years. Like, do you, We pronounce it Mad Capra. Mad Capra. <laughs> um, do you, is it a pocket sort of thing or is it more of a wrap piece? It's a wrap. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I don't like the pocket. I don't know. It's just. I like, I like the wrap. Yeah, mm. the wrap's better. Yeah. Um, Brooklyn or Silver Lake? Ooh. Mm. Um, oh, God. Don't make me choose. Um, I think that. Uh, I spent a lot more time in Brooklyn, um, and I'm still, I think LA is a bigger, like I appreciate LA in a bigger way than just Silver Lake, so I'd probably say Brooklyn. It's also so much, Brooklyn is so much bigger than Silver Lake. Yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, All right, yeah, the Zay Bars, Barney Greengrass, that was a question. We already did that one. Covered that. Uh, Piano bar or karaoke? Um, neither. Neither, really? I don't sing in you front don't, of people. What is your problem? Why karaoke, not? karaoke. I would, if I were you, I'd be at karaoke <laughs> no, like every nobody day. Nobody wants a person. I've been like booed off of karaoke before. I mean, sometimes. Because you're too good? Yeah. That's what you're saying? Yeah. But like, you know, no one wants like a good singer at karaoke. Yeah. That's not the point. Yeah. Mm, all right. Hummus <laughs> or baba ganoush? Hummus. Hummus. You guys make your own there, I assume? We do. Yes? Yeah, yeah, we do. Is it? Zahav-esque and similar to what Michael does in Philly? Um, I wouldn't say it's like that far off. Mm. Um, and is, we... is it better? No. <laughs> <laughs> I could never. <laughs> He's the king. He's the hummus king. LaCroix or Topo Chico? Ooh, uh, probably Topo Chico because I don't want all those flavors. Oh, interesting. I want, yeah, I don't want flavors. Also, the Topo Chico bottle is oh, the so best good. design so good. bottle like for soda or water, I would say. It's really, it's perfect. It's perfect. And just, it's so, it has so much bite. It's so crisp. So crisp. Yeah. Uh, and out of a bottle instead of a can, it's just, yeah. it feels classy. Um, driving or walking? Mm, um, well, I will say in terms of like large format commutes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but go ahead. Um, the, the one place that I like to sing by myself is in the car. Really? Uh-huh. So nobody except me can hear me. Along with the radio or just Yeah, along with okay. the radio. Like me and Rihanna having a really good time wow. together. You and Riri. Does she I mean, I've I mean, she hasn't I, come to Mad Capra yet. <laughs> she doesn't know. <laughs> I'm her secret biggest fan. Uh Rent or Hamilton? I haven't seen Hamilton yet. I haven't I been in New York. I've heard it's very good. It's a lot of fun. Um, Rent was never my favorite, um, so I can't really choose. Let's really go with Hamilton. Hamilton. Let's just go with Hamilton. <laughs> you can choose that one. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, that's kind of, this is an LA sort of thing. Run it. Oh, I'm going to do this. Hiking or yoga? Oof. Very difficult. I do both. I'm, I'm in LA. Which one do you, you do more? You don't have to choose. Um, probably hiking because you have to pay for yoga. Okay. <laughs> that's true. What is your, what's your go-to hike? 
Uh, I go to Griffith Park a lot. Um, Elysian is now very close dog. to Dog? Do you have a dog? I don't have a dog. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. But that's like the LA thing. You got your dog with no, you. No, totally. It is the LA thing. But again, I actually work. Yes. Um, oh, damn. <laughs> I, would l- I would love to have a dog, truly. But um, in no time. It would be unfair. But yeah. so maybe someday. Um, all right. Final question. Butter or olive oil? I hate these questions. Well, that's why it's a lightning round. You I know, got but either both, or. They're both so good. Butter or olive oil. Um, oh, God. Probably olive oil. But yeah. I really love butter. I know. You can't have both, though. <laughs> Sarah Kramer, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And now, here's Brad and Andy talking small fish. Guys, I feel like this is a therapy session, and you're making me confront my deepest fears, which are small fish. Well, it's good, you know, as long as we all walk away and, you know, bringing something from it, learning, changing a little... And, you know, and uh, eating small fish. I'm not sure I want to change, though, Brad. Change is good. It's inevitable. No, I think we're, Brad and I are here to convert you. <laughs> That's kind of the, the secret agenda of, of this podcast it's, pitch. All right. So you guys are, are small fish enthusiasts, proselytizers. Um, wh- where, did, where did you both learn to love small fish and what types sort of were your gateway fish? Well, I have a pretty funny story with that. It's like, so I used to do a lot of fishing, saltwater fishing, freshwater fishing with my, uh, with my dad and his friends growing up. And, uh, you know, they'd bring me out and we'd, we'd go catch the, they would call them tinker mackerel. And they're just little, beautiful little Atlantic mackerel. You know, they got that like. Right. You realize when you're on a podcast, people can't see how far your fingers are apart. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a valid point. So we're talking about like six, seven inches. We would be throwing chum into the water, which is like a, a mashed up fish product that attracts other fish. Yeah. And uh, anyway, and these mackerel would come in like little monsters, and you would just catch them. They w- you would just put a little bare hook into the water, and they would just bite it. And you you know, before you know it, you got forty of them, and that was the bait you would use to go catch these bigger, more mm-hmm. desirable fish. And people were like, you know, my dad's name is George, and they're like, George, your son, he won't, see, he just wants to eat the bait, you know, like. Uh, and I was just always fascinated with these beautiful little fish that everything in the ocean wants to eat. But, you know, my dad and his friends, they, it was just bait to them. Yeah, yeah. And how old were you at this point? Uh, I don't know, 12 or something. Okay. All right. And, uh, and I was just like, can we keep some of these? I want it. And they're like, it's bait, Brad. We're going to go try to catch <laughs> like, like real fish. And then like as I, you know, got older and cooking and got really into seafood and, and just eating in general and cooking – I just became obsessed with all these different little fish that you would find in, you know, in good fish monger stores or whatever, good fish markets, or that you could catch just by going, you know, we're surrounded by the ocean here in New York. And, uh, you know, and from like butterfish to sea robin to all these, you know, and no one wanted them. They were just like uh, annoying to fishermen. And like people would be catching them and I, I'll take it, I'll take so it. So wait, so did you ever go home and cook the tinker mackerel? Yeah, yeah my dad, he was like, I don't, you're, he's like, you're a sick puppy. And uh, <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, I would take a couple home. We had extra. That, and so know, what would you do with them? Well, it's, you go buy them in restaurants here now where I just put a little salt on it and you grill it. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of like a, a, like a giant, not giant, but like a big sardine, oily and like just delicious. And I mean, and that fish is has so many, it's so, so good for you. And yeah. I feel like, and the other cultures I feel like around the world have, you know, it's not a new thing. Yeah. And now know. Andy, what about you? First of all, Andy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You're really happy to be here. Yeah. First time on. Um, what was your experience growing up? So I never grew up with this fish. I oh, really? never grew up with anchovies, herring, bluefish, anything like that. My parents hated it. They still do. My dad does not like the smell of fish. I didn't even grow up with a lot of seafood. So talk about the food, the household you grew up in quickly. So I grew up first generation American, Persian household, lots of Persian food, or my mom's trying to do taco night or Chinese night. Uh, But the seafood that my mom would cook was like salmon with a ton of garlic, a little bit of saffron, lemon juice, slightly overcooked. No offense, mom. But, uh, and it it wasn't until I started working in restaurants when I really fell in love with small fish. Oh, so you, yeah, you worked yeah. in restaurants. Because I grew up in a similar household to you, except my mom was from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, not Iran. But um, <laughs> but there was very little seafood in my house growing up. And so I never developed any sort of taste for for seafood or especially oily fish. And I've, I've since gotten better, but I, the oily fish is still like 
that that barricade I can't make it past. It's it's one of those fishes where it's like anchovies, sardines. I don't even need to think about it. I could eat it whole. I could munch on the bones. Right. And I think a lot of people they're still afraid to kind of eat these small fish because they don't want to deal with the bones yeah. and they don't want to deal with the intense, I think, lovely fragrance of it. But and it is. I mean, if you want to get it and you like with sardines and smelt and fish like that, I you can eat the bones if they're small enough. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, with a little, not so much. It's not that very. It's not that difficult. It's probably a YouTube video where you can just kind of with your fingers, pinch the spine bone, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you kind of just pull it out. It's amazing how like easily it actually comes out. And then you have like this like butterfly, essentially, you know, three-inch little smelt. You know, put that on a little flour and pan fry it, a little salt on there, you live in the dream. <laughs> live in the dream. <laughs> um, all right, let, well, let's talk about um, different ways to eat these various fish, and let's talk about some specific fishes. Um do you guys want to talk, start fresh, start canned? How do you want to, what do you want to start Let's with? start fresh. Yeah, let's start okay. fresh. Just because okay. I think a lot of, you know, people think fish, they usually think, mm-hmm. you know, think, see, you know, seafood. Um, so, yeah, what, what what can I go to a good fish market and buy small fish-wise, and how am I preparing it? Well, Sardines is probably the easiest fish to find. Yeah. Well, small, oily fish. Well, we're talking salt water now. Salt water, yeah. Yeah, so small fish, that's the thing. They can be tricky to find, mm-hmm. um, unless you find, like, a good a good seafood place somewhere. Um, because there, it just isn't a huge market. And yeah. they don't last very long. Well, let's say let's say you buy some sardines, Andy. What are you doing with them? Okay, you know? either I'm going to throw them under the broiler really, really quickly for maybe like 12 to 15 minutes. Oh, that long? Uh, well, I think, yeah, how long would you think? I they... mean, it's it, because it's, it's an oily fish, I feel like it can kind of take like, a little bit longer. A little bit Whereas longer. like a white fish cooks pretty quickly and right. dries out. And you, I feel like you can get away with like, yeah. overcooking, so mm-hmm. to say. And just salt and pepper? Salt and pepper, maybe I'll brew some thyme sprigs, uh, yeah. some chili flakes, finish with a little bit of lemon zest when it comes out of the oven. A little acid. Uh, a little bit of acid, acid always. Yeah. Uh, or I'll just oil them up and throw them on the grill, which uh, is my preferred and method. And then how do you like to eat them once they're done? Uh, with your hands. Dry, <laughs> with my hands, a lot of dried chili, uh, maybe some grated garlic and drizzle that as soon as it comes out of the uh, off the grill. I don't want to put the mm. garlic on because then it's going to burn. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're basically picking them up like the rest of us pick up chicken wings and Absolutely. just sort of sure. going I at it. I love them. I mean, I it's the thing I crave almost every day. It's because I was suppressed. Really? I, I, I never got to eat it. So it's the thing and that I always want to eat. I want the, small, oily fish every day. Oh, my God. I would not have hired you if I had this. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't mention this in the, in the, in the interview. <laughs> With the sardines, I really like doing a great way to cook them when you get them fresh. And I feel like that's the one you'll find the most. I sometimes I, if on a grill or something or just in a pan, I like to just kiss them real quick with the high heat mm-hmm. and then put them in a little like rough tomato sauce mm-hmm. and just kind of let them kind of let them cook in there a little yeah. bit. And yeah. they kind they really the acid really helps it. And uh, and it's just, you know, oily fish and tomato just go together. What are the um, like in Italy? Sometimes you get the super tiny fish that are cooked like frito misto style mm-hmm. like, li- that are fried. Yeah. Whole. Yes. Uh, those are, I mean, they're not, sm- what do you think? Are they, are smelt? they smelt? Or well, you know, they, they seem might, a little. More like, um, what's that one? They're uh, like tiny, tiny. Yeah. Yeah. And you got a tangle of the them. The prats. Uh, a lot of it too is it could be like a school of a baby fish. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, they call them what, fry or something. Mm-hmm, right? Fry or fish. Just, and it's just that, I think that just means baby fish. But there's so many different little species. I know the prats come in there. Yeah. Baby anchovies, sardines. What's a, um, what's, a, what's a smelt? I always like that word. A smelt is a, it's like a bait fish. They, get, yeah. like, they can get pretty big. And they what they do is they, they a lot of these fish, they're not deep water fish, mm-hmm. I, I, if, if that's correct. I think so. And they kind of like hug the coast and then they go in, a lot of them go inland, upstreams. And then that's why you can find... Um, some of these freshwater small fish, like in the Great Lakes, I think some they might there might actually be just freshwater ones, mm-hmm. but I know they go up into freshwater to to reproduce. Um, all right, so before we move on to canned, any other fresh fish sort of advisories? You can occasionally find fresh anchovies. It's a rarity, but yeah. when you do find them, I would they're delicious. They're delicious. Yeah. They're definitely bigger than uh, the ones you would see that are oiled packed or, yeah. or salt packed. Right, and from there, it's like you could leave them whole, and again. Simple. Oil them up, throw them on the grill. Yeah, less is more. Less is more with these fish. They already have a ton of flavor. Uh, if you could get some, like, pickled chilies, throw them on that. Some torn parsley leaves, good amount of flaky sea salt, call it a day. Yeah. Wow. You actually make that sound pretty tasty. I think. It's delicious. <laughs> um, okay, so the, the, canned, or the canned fish thing, um, I, I'm kind of obsessed with, if only because of the packaging. 
Um, and there's a lot of these restaurants and shops now, like Maiden Lane over here on the East Village. Love. And I want to say there's something like Seattle like, that carry a lot of these cool canned things. And you can almost order them as as part of your meal. Yeah, it's a and, thing. And they'll bring it to the table in the can, right? I think it's like even big out in Spain and Portugal where like they're like a prize. Like they like ate like old ones. Like they'll sell you one that's like 10 years old and it, like it's been doing its little thing in oh, the tin. And God. I mean, I was in Spain. I was around Basque Country. Uh, two years ago, and you would just see shops of all these different beautiful jars and tins yeah. of. What did you buy? Did you buy anything you had? I had still, before? I still have a few. Uh, I would. Br- I brought uh, bocarones, which you could get here, but over there, it's like it's it's a lot cheaper. And, and what they, bocarone is just a, a white anchovy. a white anchovy. Exactly. The, the white anchovies. Now I've been in Italy before, and I've had the white anchovies on a plate with just some good olive oil, mm-hmm. maybe lemon and. Is is it fair to say that they are a little bit more subtle tasting? They're milder for sure. Clean, absolutely. So, so for a starter guy like me, it's probably the best. The easiest. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we wanted to bring you originally right. to to taste today. So the anchovies, <laughs> right? So the anchovies that we traditionally let's talk about salt pack versus oil pack and how canned fish. The, the anchovies that most Americans know and what goes into your Caesar dressing, for instance. What are those and how are they? processed. They're oil-packed anchovies for the right. most part. And they're the tiny little slivers you'll get, and then you'll just pound them. Or yeah, they're bone, bone out, bone all that Bone out, stuff. all that. Easy, you could use right away. And then obviously you mix it with some garlic, uh, salt, black pepper, an egg yolk, lemon juice. And, and they're and they're and they're. Uh, oh, yeah, you can actually watch Andy yeah. on bonappetit.com. <laughs> an, if you what's the, what's a video called? It's, it's, it's a, how to make uh, BA's best Caesar salad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Google Caesar salad video, and you'll see Andy making that. Um, well, Brad, you have some some product in front of you. Yeah, today. these are these little tins that you. I think you can get them in Whole Foods, and they're. I think they might be nationally available. Uh, the brand is Bella, and it just comes in a nice little tin. Be- Great little packaging, and they do all sardines and uh, in different sauces like lemon or tomato sauce, piri piri, hot pepper sauce. Yeah, is the a great piri piri one. is great. Um, and then they just recently brought out these these little baby mackerel. B e l a product of Portugal, and they have that cool logo where Bella is like spelled in the shape of a fish, right. um, which are really cute. See mackerel, I'm scared of mackerel also. Well, oh this is kind of like these oh, are like God. the little tinker oh, mackerel God, that I was eating as uh, as a, the bait as a child. But uh, look, you can see it's got that nice little. Well, I'm scraping it off, but that nice little color that you see on the top I'm of the salad. Now these are. I'm. You're salivating. I'm like recoiling. Um, these are packed in what? They're. They look. This isn't tomato sauce. Tomato sauce. So this is like a basic tomato sauce with some flavoring. So you want me to taste that? It kind of tastes like tuna, like canned tuna fish. Yeah, but do we have any napkins? Meanwhile. No, probably not. I just not. brought the fish. You just brought the fish. Brad can only do so much. <laughs> Thanks. Um, mm, actually, not bad. Yeah, right? well, I mean, that's very, Super that's good very tuna fish, mm-hmm. canned tuna fish-ish. This has a little bit more heat because of what it's packed in. Right. I mean, uh, it's it, it needs a little bit, too. It needs a little bit of love. I mean, it's delicious on its own, but... Yeah, we're eating it right out of the well, can. We're eating it right out of the Well, can. when you say love, but it's got all this... This sauce and everything going on. What else would you do with this? How would you serve this? I mean, a little, a little bit, bit more, of, a little bit more olive oil, okay. a little bit more lemon juice, mashing up a little bit, but still keep some uh, large flakes, and then put it on some thin crusty bread. Again, you know, what I would like, I would like uh, a little like celery leaf or celery something leaf, yeah, chopped sure, up, absolutely. some sort of fresh some herb, some kind of grassiness to, to, sort, to sort of wake it up after mm-hmm. it's been in a can. For I mean, all this time. would be great tossed in like a little pasta too. Oh yeah, to break it up into large flakes and just. Add a little bit of that pasta water and the whole can tomato, and just toss it around or a just little. Some, or imagine like smashing this a bit and adding it to braises, like meat braises, right. big stews. A little of that goes a long sure. way. The thing is, it's so many, bomb. so many of these uh, restaurants that we love, they use anchovies or these small oily fish right. in their sauces and their salads, and we don't even notice it. Yes, you do. <laughs> they always say, oh, you can't tell. And like, you can always tell. If you're at all attentive, you can tell. You're like, something's going on here. And, I mean, you worked at Estella for a while. I with did. Ignacio. I, I, I suspect him of the type of, as the type of guy who's trying to sneak in anchovies. I'd on say a third of the menu had anchovies in it. And it, it was just somehow, whether it was in the salad dressings or we added to a braise. Well, it's just a great source of that umami. You know, it's just, it's just that little punch of flavor that you just... You can't really fake. You can't really get it from any other like that specific flavor from anything else. It's actually at a cellar where uh, I had. We were doing this uh, egg dish where it was like a an egg salad on top of rice crackers and then a beautiful 
uh, piece of anchovy. I remember that salad, and uh, I was like, why does it have to be anchovy on oh, here? Oh, and now it's like I almost can't look at egg salad without having an yeah. anchovy. Oh, egg salad. <laughs> is like, that's bad. I find that a front to the egg salad. Like egg salad on its own done well is one of the most beautiful, beautiful things. things. Absolutely. You know, it's like you don't it's, – it's like when you have to put bacon on a burger. Like a, a good burger well, doesn't need bacon. That being sure, said, but the anchovy is the bacon of the sea. I, I, dude, I was about to say that. <laughs> the anchovy is <laughs> the bacon five. of the sea. Yeah. <laughs> let's know. Okay. I will give you that one. <laughs> You know, what's, you know what I don't like? When people try to pass off, remember uh, when they would try, back like in the 90s or early 2000s, they would try to pass off monkfish liver as the foie gras oh, of the no, sea? I'm like, that's no. not the same. No, I don't say that. not the same, that. but uh, I mean, I, I'll does love that. that. It's delicious. I One of the best things I ever had was, I forget, it was a Japanese restaurant and he was doing a demo at the Brooklyn Kitchen and he had these little steamed monkfish cylinders and it was one of the, it tasted like the essence of the ocean. Right, I feel like you and I have like a lot in common in a lot of ways. <laughs> I feel like our palates could not be more different. Well, it's great. You know, diversity is a beautiful thing. <laughs> now, are we going to talk about herring? Sure. Because that's, I think, one of my favorite things. Sure. When it's pickled, pickled herring. It's been around for a long time. The Jews, the Jews, we like the pickled herring. I mean, except this Jew. Oh, I. Uh, it's the thing. It was a gift to myself every once a week when I went to NYU. I would go to Russ and Daughters and I'd get the pickled herring with good, cream sauce. And Russ and Daughters is a famous appetizing joint uh, on the Lower East Side where you can get all sorts of smoked and cured fish um, in, old, old, in the old world style. Um, so, so yeah, explain how they sell it and what, what would you do with it? So they sell a lot of different herrings, but they have the pickled one, uh, pickled herring, and then they have uh, the cream, uh, herring and cream sauce. I would get the pickled herring, and then they had the cream sauce on the side, and I'd oh. get like a nice little full of and cream what, sauce. And the cream sauce is what exactly? It's just like thinned out sour cream. Yeah. Is it's it is it seasoned pickled. at all? No, it's no. not seasoned. Isn't it pickled too? And then they just kind of put it in that sauce instead of like yes, right? Yeah, yeah. They if it's the pickled herring so. and the cream sauce, then they'll yeah. pickle it and then place in the cream sauce. Right. Uh, April Bloomfield of the Spotted Pig in New York City. She does roll mops. And they're just beautiful pickled herring. I'm sorry, she, what? Roll mops. That you you say these things <laughs> as if we know I what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, the roll mop. <laughs> like, yeah. Brad, you know what roll mops are. No, just go for the sake <laughs> of the story, all right? He knows what a mop is. Like, he's got to keep the, the test they're, kitchen uh, in order. They're, base, they're, they're pickled herring that are rolled up, and then you get a little bit of cream sauce, and then a ton of torn up parsley that has uh, flaky salt on it. And she's been serving, I think, since day one. Like, uh, just on a plate? On a plate. And you just eat them straight, like little you get, things? You get two of them, them or three uh-huh. of them, and I just pop them right in my mouth. Sounds They're good. unbelievable. So when you were a starving, uh, not-so-starving student at NYU, um, how would you – would you just eat, like, the pickled herring out of the little takeout tub, or would you put them on toast? Or it was the takeout them? tub, and I would just sit right in front of the bench <laughs> by myself. Oh, my God. And I would just – Like they were stuffed grape yeah. leaves, yeah. Uh, did you have delicious. any friends when you were at NYU? You know, I, I – uh, <laughs> I did, I did, but I didn't tell them my my deep love for pickled herring. Oh, they smelled it. They did. Um, what about now? I noticed in the magazine last year when we did something on all these like cool canned fish, uh, and we did some one thing on one of the shops. Was it the shop in DC? Maybe I'm trying to remember. Emma, if you remember this in the magazine, we did a thing on all these cool stores that carry a lot of neat imported goods. Um, and one of them had like the imported like was it the baby squid in the can? Sure. Do you remember that? Oh no? yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, I, I tasted it. Uh, Meal brought it one uh-huh. down. And it very good, very tender. Wasn't my favorite. Really? Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think I want squid. I, I in can a get can. into the I octopus because it's more of like a you know a, a meatier. Octopus is pretty meaty. Squid is more rubbery. What, and how do you know, know it has the, the whole rubber? head, which usually oh, really? they cut into rings, and it gets like this little deflated balloon thing, and it's got like the little in between space. Kind of just freaks me out a little. Wow! If it freaks Brad out, I, know. I mean, it's delicious. But yeah. I just it was a textural thing. It was um, like, that's uh, okay. Um, you have another can there. I'm afraid to ask what that other yeah, can we is. Yeah, don't, we won't open this okay. one, but this is Pratt. Uh, I'm sorry, Sprat Pate. So it's Sprat, just. Do you call it Sprat? Sprat, I like it. So they smoke these little fish. They're delicious. Uh-huh. And um, and I guess they just turn it into a, a pate. You put that on a cracker or a sandwich. Mm-hmm. And obviously, these fish, then you're, you're just. Do they bone? I assume they bone, take the bones out, but keep the I'd skin like on and mash so. it all yeah, up. And then mash just it all up. Grind See, it this all is up. where we might differ. So if I'm going to buy canned fish, I want it whole. Yeah. Mm. You know, I, I don't want it. I don't want them making the pate. I'll make the pate. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and then, Brad, do you. Okay. And then, mackerel, which I'm terrified of. And this is just <laughs> in virgin olive oil. But m- mackerel, so these are obviously, mackerel can be a lot 
bigger. Than yeah, these well, there's tiny but guys. the Spanish mackerel. There's I think there's a couple types of mackerel where they can get rather large. You know, I think they can get like three feet or even bigger or something. Uh, but the Atlantic mackerel, which have that like tigery kind of marbly look on the top mm-hmm. of their bodies, um, those are my favorite. And they they don't re- they, I think they get like a foot max okay. or something like that. And so these ones, these are the baby versions of, of those. Of yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and they're just, you know, with all these small fish, they're just so good for you. Big, you know, amino, you know, amino acids and uh, vitamins and it's just protein and it's just a super, super good fish. And they're also good for the ocean because we tend to overfish well, the big fish and underfish the little fish. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like as soon as anything gets popular, they're going to start, you know, it's – it's it's a good balance, you know. Have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We can't all yeah. eat, you know, tuna and salmon and swordfish. Uh, to mix it up a little bit, um, I mean, eating eating any kind of store bought seafood is, you know, you're they're still fishing them. Yeah, uh, but it, it takes. I think it takes a little bit of pressure off, a little diversity in the menu. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, America is a very big country, and overwhelmingly we eat, you know, salmon and. Right. Yeah. Cod and halibut. We are not unlike Portugal or Spain right. or Greece and Italy and whatnot that partake a, a lot more in these smaller fish. Yeah, they have a strong culture and tradition of eating these small fishes. And I think in general people try to stay away. They don't like. They want to eat around the bones and they just want a piece of fillet. Easy for, meat. This, yeah. Easy meat. They, yeah, they want the boneless chicken breast of the yeah. sea. What um do you, Brad? You're you're a project cookery sort of fellow. Do you ever? pickle your own small fish or anything? Yeah, I've dabbled. I've done, I tried making a fish, I've uh, tried making a fish sauce out of uh, anchovies. Oh yeah, explain that process. It didn't work out too well, but (laughs) I kind of did like a little hack version where I kind of just mixed all these different spices and it was like a little water or something and you pureed it into like basically chum and then you just let it ferment. And then, like the the solid started to settle, and then essentially, and essentially, the liquid after you strain it, the liquid it would be the fish sauce. What, it didn't. It didn't go bad. I just. There, I didn't. There what, was no reason to consume it. What should have you done to make a proper fish? Sauce? I think it's a much longer process oh, yeah. where they pack them on salt with weights, mm-hmm. and then the weight and the salt draws out a moisture and the oils, and that all starts to settle. And I think. Kind of like like the same way they would press grapes or olives, they just weigh these salted fish and liquid comes out. Did you did you read this after you did the whole thing? Or I knew both. I just didn't. I didn't <laughs> have like, the time or the space to go. Do so it. I was in uh, Vietnam about a month ago, and I spent two days on a fish sauce farm. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Red well, boat. What was that red, like? Red boat, which yeah. there it's distributed here. It's I fantastic. Think the best fish sauce you can get in the world. Um, and it's fascinating. I mean, something like so. Just speaking of fish sauce, which we mention a lot in the magazine these days, and listen, it's not as common as soy sauce, or certainly not sriracha, but it is. It has become so much more commonplace right. in the American pantry, yep. and especially people who are into interesting food and cooking a lot. Like it's become one of those go-to it's become go-to. Things, right? I think it's kind of trickled down takeout. from restaurants, and chefs have been loving it for years now. And so, uh, and. Some of the most delicious food they yeah. use, uh, fish sauce. So yeah, I was at a Red Boda, uh, the fish farm, and they, they just—it was insane how many anchovies they caught scale. every day, and it was just anchovies, anchovies and salt, a certain temperature and weight, right? And a little bit of weight. But there, but there must be other seasoning. There's no garlic or anything going on in there. Nothing. Nothing. Just salt Nothing. There, they had kosher fish sauce, and I had uh, I tasted their fish sauce from one month to twelve months, and it just got this beautiful clear amber color yeah. at twelve months. It's, so it's literally just the fish and salt. It's just yeah. anchovies. That's the kosher one, they they remove the um, any kind of squid or shrimp they might catch. Yeah, uh, they have and a rabbi that blesses it. It's great. Let's say. Um, uh, before we wrap up, let's say let's say I have some red boat in my pantry at home, which I do. Can you give me some everyday uses for it? Like, what should I be doing? I'm going to use it as a seasoning agent. So that means season your uh, your steaks, your chicken, marinade, make a marinade with the fish sauce, and just obviously like like give me an example marinade. So fish sauce, what else? So I would pound some uh, garlic, ginger, some scallions. scallions. Uh, some uh, chilies, sweetness. if you have some chilies, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of honey, yeah. that'd be great. You can uh, put anything in pork. I mean, do you screaming. need do you need oil with the fish sauce or just a little fish? bit of uh-huh. sesame oil uh-huh. could be could be nice. A little bit of vegetable oil too, mm-hmm. and then uh, obviously you're not going to need that much salt, if any, if you're using fish sauce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, let it marinate for a bit at room temperature if you want to grill right then and there. Like some good like sort of Vietnamese style pork chops or Absolutely, whatnot. Yeah. What about in terms of if if you're making some kind of cool like root. like root like a like a slaw salad dressing sort sure. of thing or even like cold noodles stuff yeah. like that. You know you can just 
just kind of toss it in with a little soy sauce, a little uh, toasted sesame oil, some scallions, just in like some cooked soba noodles, and it's like a nice. Yeah, little... I like it because like soy sauce, which is so such a staple, but soy sauce reads pretty straight ahead, salty. Uh-huh. Fish sauce gives you that other. Hmm, I love it. adding it to my uh, pickled cucumbers. So okay. a little bit of fish sauce, yeah. vinegar. A uh, little bit of garlic. A little pepper flake, a little morass. A little bit of morass. Yeah, morass. pepper. <laughs> Don't even know what that means. <laughs> it's a dried chili flake. Um, uh, do you the, do any do you do any oil in your in your in your cucumber salad? I'll a little bit of sesame oil. Okay. That's it. All right. I'm not Just above a few drops. Olive yeah. oil too. All right. So all right. So go buy some fish sauce, some canned fish. You if for starters, what kind of canned fish are you recommending? Sardines or if oh. you can find the mackerel. But canned sardines are everywhere and that you know, they're shelf stable. Just throw, you know, they're great to have around for you know, if you're having people over with a little cheese and some crackers, you and, know. And buy buy the good ones imported. We like Bella's one brand we they're like. They're fantastic. Yeah. is another brand that's great. What they, is it? Rusticella, they have oh. the salt packed anchovies, which I'm a fan of. When you take those, do you wash off the salt or what do you do? Yeah, they're definitely a little bit more labor involved than uh, the oil packed ones where you have to rinse them and then you got to soak them and then you got to remove the bones. Yeah, not happening. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then this summer, if you find fresh ones, you can yeah, throw, check throw them on the grill. Yeah, take some risk. I mean, you can find some butterfish or any just little small bycatch stuff and they're, they're surprisingly delicious and super good for you. And hit them with some salt, some acid, a little heat, a little yeah. lemon. Salt, yeah. fat, acid, heat. All right. Andy Baragani, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Brad Leone, thank you as always. Thank you. See you guys. This podcast has been brought to you by Carrie Polis, Emma Wurtzman, and Lily Sherman, with editing by Mitra Caboli. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Gradies. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.